This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Welcome to Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me tonight, the new ever-present host, Matt Necrone. How you doing? I'm everywhere, man. I'm, uh, I'm doing great. I'm rejuvenated. Had the week off. It's been, uh, it's been a crazy few weeks, but hopefully that begins to wind down. Doing good. Life without football is always hard, man, but we're glad to have you back. Glenn Lotzenheiser could not be with us tonight. He's been sick all day today. We just told him to go to bed, take the day off, and come back next week. So, uh, Glenn, get better, and we look forward to having you on next week. You jinxed him, man. Is that what it is? Now he's going to be like <laughs> sick next week, too? <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully. No. But uh... Next week we'll be coming <clears throat> and be like, Glenn's got the black plague. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had to let him go. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, before we jump right into the show, guys, a reminder of the T-shirts that we have out. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard yet, we do have a our first T-shirt design. There's 16 bucks um, for a regular adult size, 15 for kids. And then you can get them personalized, like with a name and a number on the back if you want to, and that's $24 for an adult shirt, $23 for a kid's shirt. If you're interested, uh, go to our Facebook, our Twitter, uh, or our website, twotonepodcast.podbean.com, and you can check them out. The designs are really cool. We really uh, you put a lot of effort into them, try to make them as, as cool as we could, and I think we did a pretty good job. Uh, to order, PayPal the money to twotoneuncensored at gmail.com, and then send us an email at twotoneorders at gmail.com. That's twotoneorders at gmail.com. Uh, in that email, just let us know your size that you want, uh, shipping address, and personalized info, if you got the personalized info on the shirt. And thanks to everybody who's already pre-ordered shirts. Once we get close to that 50 shirt mark on the first pre-order, we're going to send them all out, and then they should be coming in shortly thereafter. So go ahead and order right now. As we said last week, this is going to be the cheapest these shirts will ever be, so... Definitely check it out. You can see them again on our Facebook, our Twitter, or on our website. Buy some shirts. You Damn heard it, it here. <laughs> Let's jump into the mailbag this week. First question here from Will Rush. Which three positions will be the strongest for the Tennessee Titans? And also, which three will be the weakest? For me, um, it's hard to say anything but running back as your first first thought. Obviously, with DeMarco and uh, Derrick Henry coming back, we also add Muhammad in there to, to spice things up a little bit. First one comes to mind. You know, with this past draft, we just took Corey Davis, obviously, and then in the third, we took Taewon Taylor as well. So uh, not necessarily wide receiver, but receivers as a whole because uh, Johnu Smith, Delaney Walker, those guys are, are definitely our strengths. Our offense is going to be pretty potent, or at least should be, uh, looking at it on paper right now. If you go to the defensive side, uh, it's not corner. <laughs> Obviously, I wish it was. I think safety is probably the best on the defense right now just because of uh, I think Kevin Byard's going to step up big. I think the addition with uh, Cyprian is going to help out a lot against the run game. Between him and, and Cersei, being able to use Cersei in, key, in basically key moments where we didn't really have the luxury of, of moving guys around as much as we will this year. So I think the safeties are definitely going to improve this year as well. For my three best, uh, I went with offensive line as my first one, You know, mainly at tackle, uh, but our offensive line, the highest rated offensive line in the league per pro football focus. So I, I thought you had to have them. That was my first one, my number one. We obviously did excellent there. Conklin, an all-pro as a rookie. Taylor Lewan really stepped up. And I, I went back, Matt, and I listened to the show's leading up to 
um, the draft and leading up to the offseason that we did last year. And we're talking about Taylor Lewan's comments that he was saying, you know, I'm a left tackle, I won't play right tackle. And all three of us said, you know, you've got to come out and earn it. That's not something you, you get handed to you. You have to come out and you have to earn that. And he absolutely did. Lewan played spectacular this season and proved that he is going to be a left tackle. They should be a left tackle. As for the guards, it was kind of plug and play. Quentin Spain had a really good year. Uh, Klein stepped up. There, I mean, we had some guys do really good. Ben Jones has always come in. You know, throughout his entire career, just a prof- you know, a weird dude, definitely a little bit wacky, but comes in and does his job and does it well. He's a, he's a really good center in this league. So the offensive line as a whole, uh, next is running backs, like Matt said. We're, I mean, we're so deep right now, and it's so funny that we're saying that, talking about how good our running backs are, when just a few years ago it was one of the, if not the weakest point of our team was running back. But now you get, you know, a solid veteran and DeMarco Murray, and then you get a Heisman Trophy winning guy, uh, you know, Derrick Henry coming in, and then coming up behind him. Well, you know, we're going to talk about the running backs tonight. There's some talent behind that. My third one, this was a little harder, uh, but I went with tight end. I thought about going with, like, receiver. I might have done that if I would have thought of it, like, uh, receivers as a whole. Uh, wide receivers, I kind of went away from just because you don't know exactly what you're going to get 100% yet. You know, these guys are coming in as rookies. Uh, but at tight end, obviously, Delaney Walker is an absolute stud. You know, comes in, does his job well. We get a guy and Jonu Smith who is just basically the exact model of Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker was the prototype, and now you have Jonu Smith coming as the exact same thing, the second, the 2.0, if you will. You still have Phillip Supernall, and I don't like Supernall that well, but he is a good blocker. You, you know, you have... Some really solid foundation. It seems like we always have good tight ends, you know, throughout Titans history, especially. And I, I just think that the, you know the tradition has definitely continued. We have a great group of tight ends. Uh, but what about your worst three, Matt? You got to start off with the corners. I know we just added a Dory, uh, but I don't think, and well, and Logan Ryan, but I still don't think we have uh, what we need to start the year. Hopefully, they progress into something that. Uh, we feel comfortable with. I'm definitely not there quite yet. I'm still still surprised we haven't done more there. And this is off the top of the head. So you, you start off with corner. My next position would probably be, honestly, man, we really don't have many weak spots on this team. Once you get past our secondary, I don't think the linebackers are very strong, but they're solid. I'm not upset with, with what we have. To say they're weak is a little bit of a stretch in my opinion. D-line, you could argue, I think they're in the same boat as as the linebackers, really. The only true weakness I see is, is our secondary, and if we can clean that up, I see us being you know, a pretty strong team. All right, I went um, corner first, just like you did. I, I think that obviously that is a weakness. Um, Logan Ryan's great in the slot, but you still have two sides you got to cover. We're going to try to cover that with Adoree Jackson coming in as a corner, and I love what the kid does you know versatility wise but i do have question marks about him in coverage and then i mean you got i mean sims maybe mccain i mean that's you're just kind of you know trying to put old tires on the same truck like it's just not i just don't think that that's going to be a winning recipe um as far as our corners go so that one i have as my worst and then it goes inside linebacker i will say this and credit to the guys that are coming in second and third is we don't have a lot of weaknesses right now. We're a pretty strong team. Uh, but inside linebacker has been a liability. We can't cover tight ends. Uh, everybody who's a Titans fan knows this from last year. We could not cover tight ends. We brought in a guy like Josh Caraway. We're getting a little bit better. I just don't know if we did enough to, to really uh, make it a, a better unit as a whole and my third one was really hard man it was tough I thought about going receivers here but I think Corey Davis and uh Taewon Taylor are going to push us up far enough where you just you can't go wide receiver here so I ended up going with safety which you had in your top three uh, but I, I didn't know where to go here you know you can't you can't go quarterback with Marcus there even though his backups aren't great uh, and you there's you can't go defensive line where we've been good. I, I so I had to go with safety. I I like Byard. I'd like to see you know more from him uh, moving forward. And I think he will as he matures. 
Uh, Cyprian, obviously a great run stopper, but he's a liability in uh, pass coverage. And I think that, you know, that's not going to give a lot of help over the top for an already weak cornerback crew to not have the help over the top they need could be pretty dangerous. So that's where I went with third, but it was hard choosing that one. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It, it, it's it's a roll of the dice of, of what we could what we could be and what we will be. So I like the fact that we're a lot more versatile there at safety. But you know, like you said with the wide receivers, if we didn't take two wide receivers in the first three round in the yeah first three rounds, that would clearly be our our second biggest weakness. But I, I think we definitely addressed it in the draft. I really wish that. You know, but before this year's draft, I think corner was obviously still the biggest hole, and maybe wide receiver was second. But we addressed wide receiver pretty well to the point where I don't think we can even mention it. Yeah, I mean, I think we did really well. It's it's hard to um, you know push it up in the top for me because you haven't seen these guys play you know pro ball yet, and plus you know it's two small school guys coming in, and I do have a lot of faith in them. And so far in their workouts, they've looked great. So hopefully that continues, and hopefully, you know, after this year we'll be able to say with more certainty where we stand at at the wide receiver position. But for right now I didn't have him in my top three or my bottom three. I think that we definitely improved. Hopefully we'll be talking about how, you know, it's a top three unit on our team uh, this time next year. But let's move on to the next one here. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, man. Uh, Steve Greger writes in, do you think that the Titans will use a no-huddle offense this coming season more than we did last year? I do. I think we'll see more of it only because uh, we have so many more options to open up the playbook now. At the same time, I, I hope that Rubisky is not holding us back with his play calling. But at the same time, he may be looking forward to opening up the playbook a little bit more. So I'm not as familiar with Robisky's past play calling I know you know he, he's been able to work with what we've had in the past this past year but I think with more options he'll look forward to opening up the playbook so yeah I would say we see a little bit more of it yeah I, I agree um we've seen Mariota play in the no huddle he thrives in the no huddle offense moving quickly down the field he's a very accurate passer he reads well you know a lot of quarterbacks can get flustered moving into a no-huddle system, that's where he does his best work. You obviously want to throw in as many wrinkles as you can. Robisky and Malarkey are going to try to throw in as many wrinkles as they can. This is a good one. We've seen it before, how successful Mariota's been. Look at last year, how many times we moved down the field, you know, right before halftime and got, you know, an extra field goal or an extra touchdown on the board. We're something that we're very good at was that two-minute offense. So why not throw in the no-huddle when you don't need it every now and again? You know, to take advantage of something the defense has shown you, especially when you pound the ball at them with two big running backs all day. You know, it doesn't hurt to go out one drive and just come out no-huddle, sling the ball around a little bit, space the defense out, keep them guessing. Um, With young wide receivers like this, I don't expect to see it a ton, and especially with, you know, the style of offense we want to run with the smash mouth, two running backs uh, that are both huge. You won't see it a ton, but I think you you know you see it here and there in games. We'll go a drive where we don't need a two-minute offense. We'll go into the hurry up and, and take them down the field. But, you know, you still have these two young wide receivers and one solid veteran wide receiver in Rashad Matthews. So you don't want to do it like too much to put too much pressure on these young guys starting out. But, but, you know, I think you will see it, especially later on in the season. On to the next one here, Matt. Bo Blaker uh, asks this one. What is your outlook for Derrick Henry in his second season? Do you think we'll see him in a bigger role in this offense? Yeah, I think everybody already assumes that he is going to get a larger role, which I'm in the same boat. I obviously agree with everybody. But a lot of people are kind of like, well, you know, Let's forget about DeMarco Murray, which you cannot do. The guy uh, played phenomenal last season, and he's not even close to being done. So, yes, we'll see more carries from Henry because we really did not put a lot on him last season. I think this is the year where he earns it, and I think, you know, with more opportunity, he will increase productivity. But, yeah, but you cannot forget about DeMarco Murray. He's 
he's got a lot left and, and they're not, they know that he still has a ton left in the tank. And I do think that we'll slightly see the, the carries uh, shift a little bit, but not, not enough to where he's going to become disgruntled or anything like that. Yeah. You're not going to get an argument here. Uh, I agree. I think you're going to see him get a few more carries than he did last year. Yeah, I mean, he had a great average. I think he ran like 4.5 or 4.45 average when running the ball, which is outstanding. You know, and another way he can get his hands on the ball more is in the passing game. You know, as he gets better at catching the ball, he becomes more of a natural pass catcher. And we we saw it last year when he did have the ball in his hands in the passing game. He was effective. The problem was he only had 15 targets and 13 receptions last year in the passing game. We didn't use him a whole lot, but as you see him get better and better and more natural in his pass-catching motion, more natural in route running, as all that stuff comes together, you're going to see him get more targets, get more receptions. So I obviously think he's going to be a bigger part of our offense in the second season. And another factor that's going to weigh in on this is, as much as we all love DeMarco Murray, he's starting to get a little older. So that's going to play into a factor of, of trying to get Derrick Henry in, especially early on in the season. I think you're going to see more Derrick Henry early in the season than you will late because I think they're going to try to keep DeMarco Murray as fresh as they can so when we do get into a you know a playoff chase or into the playoffs, we can use our number one back more and you know try to win some games, try to put some wins together either to get into the playoffs or to push ourselves further in the playoffs. Yeah, if I'm Derrick Henry, I, I want DeMarco Murray around. You know, I don't mind the fact that he's not uh, that me-first mentality where he wants the ball, you know, Tim or nothing. Uh, we don't need that on the team, and I think he understands how valuable DeMarco Murray is to his progression. Yeah, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, when Derrick Henry came to Alabama, there was three running backs in front of him, you know, when he first got there, uh, you know, registered yeah. it, and then he – waited and got his chance to come up behind some great running backs, you know, and Eddie Lacy and Trent Richardson and Mark Ingram. I mean, there's a lot of great running backs in front of him that had great college careers, and he had to wait then, and I think he knows that, that he has to wait uh, and, and keep working and get better, and I think he's going to use it as a, a positive thing. We've seen him learn from DeMarco Murray and the much as much as he can do that he needs to as much time as he can spend with DeMarco Murray he should uh, while Murray's still you know on the team and still in the NFL that way you just soak all that up because obviously DeMarco Murray a great running back he's had a really good career so soak up all that knowledge you know that makes Derrick Henry the best running back he can be and I think he knows that what is Murray 29 yeah Murray's 29 years old I mean, you go into last season where nobody really knew what we were getting with him. He's not only has he performed, uh, you know, outside what anyone probably thought he would, but he's like pretty much the best teammate you could ask for, let alone probably a, a great mentor at the same time. So, you know, there's still so much left for him. And uh, you, you got to remember when the Cowboys let him go, he led the league. The fact that he went to Philadelphia and they didn't know what to do with him, we were very lucky to grab him for what we did. I mean, we, we stole him, and hopefully we can really reap the benefits going forward this year. Absolutely. The last question in our mailbag here is from Antron Russell. He asks, can you see the Titans using more three wide receiver sets? Uh, it's tough, man. Yeah, I can, only because of what we've we've done with the position. At the same time, you know, I can see us running two tight end sets. So... I do think we're going to switch it up a lot this this season. How exactly they're going to do it, I don't know. But I would not be surprised to see you know three three wide receiver sets at all. I, it really depends in my eyes on what you're going to get out of Corey Davis and uh, Taewon Taylor. Because if you have both of them come in and just you know blow your socks off and and have good you know be really good in training camp through the OTAs and all that mini camps. And then you get into the season and they're just performing. Absolutely. You know, I absolutely think, why not try to spread it out a little bit, pull some guys out of the box that open up the running game some more. But if you're not getting that, if Corey Davis shows up and you don't get Taylor, you probably will still see an increase if Tazi Sharp shows up. You know, but if Tazi Sharp or Taylor doesn't show up 
or on the other hand, Corey Davis doesn't show up, then I don't see think you're going to see a whole lot of it. Just because you know our main priority on offense is still the ground and pound. It's still smash mouth football. That is what you want to set up and use that to set up stuff for Marcus. So if these wide receivers come out and play well, then you obviously add some more three wide receiver sets, and it's just more wrinkles. Like I said earlier, the more wrinkles you have in the offense, the more dynamic your offense can be. So it's definitely something that they're going to look into. They're going to practice it. They're going to get ready for it. And hopefully, you know, Davis and Taylor or Davis and Sharp uh, are the right combo. And obviously, the third being Rashad Matthews, who we all know is, is a talented wide receiver. But if if all those three guys come out ready to play, or any pairing of the three come out ready to play, then yeah, I think it's an absolute possibility that we do see more of it. But that's all we have in the mailbag this week. Uh, every week we post the mailbag on our Facebook page. We also post in Tennessee Titans Uncensored, the Facebook fan page. So you can find them there uh, to comment your questions. We just take the best ones each week and, and throw them on there. So thanks to everybody who submitted, and we look forward to seeing your submissions next week. Now let's jump into the news. Not a lot of news here. Let's start off, though, with some good news. Marcus Mariota becomes the fifth Titan in the NFL Top 100 players, making his debut on the list at 50. Pretty cool stuff, Matt. Yeah, I think it well-deserved. When we were started counting down with you know the Jarrell Casey, Taylor Lewan, Rackpo, we were all wondering when we were going to see Marcus. And uh, sure enough, number 50. I, I think it's about where he deserves to be right now in his career. Uh, the best part about it was he was right, right above uh, Andrew Luck, which has got to really piss off the Colts. <laughs> but uh, that is what it is. I think Andrew had a bad, bad season this year. I'm not totally sold that, you know, moving forward. I, I don't know who the be- who the better quarterback is. It's a totally different style, but, you know, obviously I'm rooting for Marcus. But, yeah, definitely well-deserved. I think that uh, it's only going to get better. And, um He's probably the last Titan we'll see on this list, but what did we have, five on there now this year? Right. That's that's a huge boost from where we were. I mean, it's things are looking up uh, for this franchise, and he's a major part of that. Absolutely. I, yeah, that is about where I expected to see him. I didn't think he was going to be a whole lot higher than that. Um, but it's good. You know, it's really good to be in the top 50 players in the NFL in your second year in the NFL is obviously a testament to how good you're being. And he was above Jameis Winston uh, and right above Andrew Luck, which is always nice. You know, Jameis is going to be the person he's compared to for the rest of his career because they went one and two in the same draft. And then obviously going above the other really good quarterback in your division, you know, obviously something that's pretty awesome. And for all of us Titans fans, we get to talk shit to all of our our friends that are Colts fans out there for the the coming year gives us a little bit of fodder for you, you know those fights that you're going to end up having, and I expect to see Marcus even higher on this list next year as well as some of these other guys that made the list. Uh, I expect you will see them even higher after next year. So pretty cool story. The next one also getting some praise from the media. Peter King of Sports Illustrated has the Titans ranked as the fourth best team in his preseason power rankings. Pretty fucking high, Matt. Yeah, that's unexpected. All I did was hear about this. I haven't really looked into what he actually said about us, but every year, you know, he does his little tour around the camps, and uh, he always has good things to say about us, you know, but he hasn't always been right, (laughs) but... He's always been pretty good. I, I don't know what it is about our, our franchise and Peter King, but he's always been pretty uh, complimentary for, for our you know our guys. But four is extremely high. I don't see us there quite yet. I think we have the potential to be there, but you know that's we're, we're talking about this is uh, end of May, early June. You know we're not we're not at that point yet where we can say definitively where we are. But uh, obviously, uh, you know, the potential is there. Maybe you looked into the article a little bit more to see what he said. I did not, to be honest, but I don't see it. I I could see us in the top 10 and and legitimately feel good about that. But four is extremely high. I mean, that's putting you in an elite class. Yeah, four is Super Bowl contender. I mean, there's no question about that. Um, What he had to say was, you know, there's kind of – he. 
you know, commented that there's always that one surprise team that ends up becoming a contender every year, and he thinks that this year it's going to be the Titans. You know, and I think we have that ability if we play up, you know, play really great throughout the season, play up to the standard that I think we can play to. I've always liked Peter King. I think he's a fantastic sports journalist. Not always the best predictor, um, as Matt mentioned, but he's a really good writer. And uh, also an alumni right here of Ohio University where I go to school. So I got a lot, a lot of love for Peter King, and he always has had a lot of love for the Titans. Even when we were really bad, he always seemed like he had something nice to say. I remember him being a pretty big fan of, of Jake Locker, too, back in those days. But... You know, obviously meaningless. You have to play the game, so you have to earn that spot. But pretty cool to get such high praise from such a recognizable name. Uh, the last piece of news we have here is former Titan safety Damian Stafford has become a Steeler, signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, just the other day. What do you think about that, Matt? He's dead to me. Uh, anybody, <laughs> anybody that goes to the Steelers is is dead to me. One thing I'll say about this, and it really has nothing to do with Stafford, best thing I saw on the internet today, picture of Ben Roethlisberger at the Penguins-Preds game, and I think it was the black Adam Schefter uh, (laughs) site that said, it's a picture of Ben looking all concerned, and he's like, when you realize you're not the only predator at the game. (laughs) That's pretty good. That is good. Stafford, you know, Nothing against him. He was a you know an average B player. Nothing more. Nothing less. He uh, you know he he was a hard hitter. After that, that's pretty much it. I wasn't really upset to see him leave. But anybody that goes to Pittsburgh, I, I got nothing for you. Yeah, Matt, you you and Glenn both know I I liked Stafford. I you know he was a good player for us, and I, I thought that he had the ability to maybe have a bright future. And you want to wish the guy the best, you know, wherever he goes, except for when he goes to Pittsburgh or within the division. That's like the only caveat to that. If he goes to anywhere else, you know, I'm wishing him the best, but you just can't do it when he goes to the Steelers. Um, It's not surprising, though. Dick LeBeau left the Steelers, but the Dick LeBeau defense didn't go anywhere. You know, they still run the same defensive set. So you're going to see a lot of defensive guys go back and forth between Pittsburgh and Tennessee just because they know – that that guy knows the system already. There's not going to be a lot of teaching involved. You're just going to bring him in. He's going to be ready to play. Obviously, it's not the exact same defense, but pretty damn close. All those guys there are all the guys that were under Dick LeBeau when he was there. So that's why they got him. You're getting a guy that, that knows the system, knows how to play it already. That I hope Damian Stafford plays really well and the Steelers still lose every game. How about that? Like I hope he does well individually. But the rest of the team's just trash. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to, like, for me with Deshaun Watson going to Houston. It's like, I don't wish Cleveland on anybody, but anyone but fucking Houston or Jacksonville. Sure enough, there he goes to Houston. So, <laughs> uh, Steelers Steelers are in that boat as well. Those, that's probably the only team. I think I hate the Steelers more than I hate a division rivalry. Like, I, it's probably stupid, but it's it goes back a long way, and... Growing up in Pennsylvania with all the Steeler fans around there, it's it's just something that hits me personally. So, I hate the Steelers. No, I hundred percent agree. If I had to pick my least favorite NFL team, it's definitely Pittsburgh. Uh, also, growing up in a Pittsburgh area, and that with that fan base being the majority, and also you know you go back to that, and it's all of the the tough you know AFC Central games we had with the Steelers when we were you know had a good team. And you know the early two thousands and beat up on them all the time when they were going through their like their Cordell Stewart years it was awesome I loved it. They kept us out of the Super Bowl a couple times in the seventies back in the the Earl Campbell days. I mean it always seems like they've been in our way throughout history and, and it's a rivalry outside of a division that I know that a lot of Steeler fans remember and also. You know, Titans fans, of course, are not going to forget. I, I definitely hate the Steelers more than I hate any of the teams in our division, and, and I really hate all the teams in our division. So, But there's a certain Steeler arrogance that their fans have, you know, that no matter what the argument, you can go and beat the Steelers 55 to nothing, and you're like, oh, man, look at that. You know, obviously your team sucks, and they just shout like, six rings! Yeah, six rings, mm-hmm. buddy! And it's, yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's terrible having a conversation or an argument with a with a Steeler fan, but yeah, definitely my least favorite NFL team has to be Pittsburgh. Yeah, for sure. 
But that's all we have for the first half of the show. When we come back, the position breakdowns. Going into running backs now, we're going to talk about this class of running backs, and including the new guys we have on the team, and also give you a little insight into the fullback situation. So we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, then this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey guys, you've heard us talk about Hang 10 Apparel before on the show, and if you haven't checked them out, then you're truly missing out. Hang 10 is the one place to find unique Titans gear that you will not find anywhere else. Whether it's a Maragoda hoodie, a Mahalo Etcha Boy t-shirt, or Mike Keith's Music City Miracle Call on a sweater. There are no flags on the field! It's a miracle! The only place to find it is Hang 10. Just go to hangtn.com to find all this great gear. And while you're there, don't forget to use our promo code 2TONE to get 10% off any purchase. That's hangtn.com, the official Titan shop of 2TONE Uncensored. Tighten up. You're listening to 2TONE Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. All right, and we're back from that quick commercial break. Now let's jump into the running backs here, Matt. Obviously going to start off with DeMarco Murray. Last year went for over 1,200 yards at 4.39 a clip. Uh, Nine touchdowns, also added three touchdowns in his 67 receptions. The big question being with DeMarco Murray is something we touched on earlier is you know, how much is left in the tank at 29 years old? You know, I, I know they say that 30 is the, uh, the the edge of the cliff for a running back, but, you know, DeMarco took some time off in Philadelphia. You can look at it like that because I know I do. But I still feel he's got at least at least two quality, quality years left. And that's, that's being uh, pessimistic in my mind. I, I really think he can perform – till at least 32 years old. I don't know if it's just the way athletes are, are, are holding up later. I mean, you look at Tom Brady. He's going to play till he's like 42 and probably play pretty well. I'm not saying DeMarco's Tom Brady, but, you know, nowadays athletes can, can play longer. They take better care of their bodies. You know, there's a lot more research on, on what they need to do to stay active and, and productive. But I don't see any sign of him slowing down. I know his contract's I believe it's up in two years. Is that right? I think you're right, yeah. Because we signed an original uh, four-year deal. I think we took over. Well, actually, well, what we did when we traded for him, I believe we re-signed him to a different, a more team-friendly contract, but I think it was a four-year deal. So after the season, I believe we have him for two more. And I think that's just about right. If if we were to keep him after that, I definitely don't think it would be to a, a, a big deal. It might be a one-year type thing. But I think we made out so great on his contract, just how we acquired him and, and the team-friendly contract that he signed just to come here and get his opportunities. Age is not a concern for me at this point. I look forward to seeing what he can do this year, and I don't see any signs of him falling off. Yeah, that contract was a four-year contract. So his last year under contract will be 2019, and then he'll be uh, an unrestricted free agent. You know, that, that 30 line is, you know, you normally see it work out that way with most running backs, but you also see the occasional running back step over that line, and it seems that it's the running back that is the exceptional running backs. And I don't think that DeMarco Murray's been an Adrian Peterson, and we, you know, we're seeing him in 34 now, I believe. 
But I think DeMarco Murray is better, you know, than the average starter and has been throughout his career. I think you're going to see him play, you know, 31, 32, 33, and then probably retire around there. I think he does have, just like Matt said, two solid years at least left in him. Maybe three even. He's a really good running back. And, and also, you know, like Matt said, medicine's more advanced. And training camp's not nearly as hard anymore. The way that it works out now is you're spending a lot less hours actually making contact. So it's less wear and tear, you know, on the body throughout these long seasons. They're just they're a little bit shorter, a little bit less contact. So guys end up staying put together a little bit longer. And I think DeMarco Murray has that in him. You know, we were talking about Derrick Henry earlier taking a little bit bigger of a role. Do you think that we see, or how much do you think we see DeMarco Murray's touches go down this year, if any at all? Well, that's what I was about to bring up. I didn't want to cut you off. Like we were talking earlier how, you know, if I'm Derrick Henry, I want DeMarco Murray around. It's the same way for DeMarco Murray, in my opinion, because, you know, today's NFL, you need two guys to shoulder the load. It's very rare that you have an Adrian Peterson you know, playing by yourself with with uh, next to Matt Asiata, who doesn't do you know shit. Basically, it's a two it's a two headed backfield in most cases. But for our situation, you, with Henry coming up and Demarco, I guess you could say at, you know at his peak or coming down from his career, you know he's already accomplished a, a ton. So it's safe to say that you know he's not pro- probably not going to do much better than he's already done for us. Uh, but as far as the carries go, I think Derrick Henry will receive more of the share, which is a good thing for both guys, and I think it's going to prolong Murray's career for that reason. I think that uh, Henry's Henry's a young guy. Like you said before, You know, he went to Alabama, and they ran the shit out of him his senior year, but guess what? He didn't play before that. So those 240 or whatever it was carries that, that he had, they ran the hell out of him, but you know, that's pretty much all he had going into, you know, his, his NFL career. So I'm not too concerned with either of the mileage on either of those guys. And I think having both of them healthy is going to help both of their careers from here on out. Right. I absolutely agree. Last year we saw him take 293 rushing attempts. I think that you will see it go down maybe a little bit. I still think you're going to see him get a lot of touches. I think, like I said, now that we're a team that has a real shot and we know we have a real shot at making it and to the playoffs, making a playoff run even. You might see them use Derrick Henry more in the beginning of the season. Derrick Henry, by contrast, had 110 attempts last year. So, you know, a lion's share is still going to Marco Murray. I think you're going to see that even out, or not even out, but get closer to evening out this season. You know, just because DeMarco Murray, you want to see him healthy in Week 16 and then, you know, the playoffs and... You know, getting later in the season and then playoffs, when we need him to be healthy, you want to see him healthy. And that's, the way you do that is you give Derrick Henry more touches in the beginning of the year. And obviously, you know, throughout the push for the playoffs and a, and a playoff run, you're going to see Derrick Henry still get a lot of carries because it's, it's just something a little bit different. He's huge. He pounds down the, the front of the defense. It seems like he always gets at least like two yards, three yards out of a carry because as long as he can fall forward, you know you're getting three yards. He's so big. Yeah, but I I think you do see DeMarco Murray, his role diminish just ever so slightly. He's still going to be the the number one back, in my opinion, obviously, unless injury happens. There's no way that Derrick Henry takes over this year in my eyes. And talking about Derrick Henry... Moving on to him, he had 490 yards on those 110 carries. A 4.45 average, like I was talking about earlier. Had five touchdowns, only 13 receptions. So my first question is, do you think we see Derrick Henry become a bigger part of the passing game? Yeah, I think when we acquired him, a lot of us expected that. And I don't know if if it panned out for everybody's uh, liking or, I don't know, personal preference, I guess. But... um, I do think we see some of it, but I don't think that's what he's going to specialize in. I think that he's got a lot of room to grow, and I think we saw a lot of hesitation with him last year that hopefully we won't see this this season. There's not a lot I have to say complaining about anything he's he's done thus far, but I will say that you know he does have room to grow. As far as the passing game goes, it's something he could be very good at, but I don't think that we're exactly going to you know, zone in on just him in the passing game because 
you know, DeMarco Murray is a great pa- uh, pass catcher as well. So we'll probably use both of them in those situations, but I, would, I wouldn't look for them to just zone in on Derrick Henry's uh, receptions. Right, and I agree with that. I do think you'll see those targets climb a little bit, even with the addition of, you know, these pass catchers that we got in the draft. I think you'll see his numbers go up a little bit. A big thing with Derrick Henry, you brought up the hesitations. Sometimes last year it seems like he was trying to do his best uh, Le'Veon Bell impression where he just he kind of waited, and, and some plays it, it worked out for him, obviously, but a lot of times you saw him, you know, get three yards when he should have gotten five or get five when he should have gotten seven. You know, you don't want him to just run blind without, you know, waiting for the hole or, you know, using his vision. Uh, but you also don't want to see him wait too long. I want to see him be a little bit more aggressive this year. As soon as that hole opens, take it and get downfield. You know, get rid of a little bit of that hesitation. Some hesitation is obviously necessary. You want to wait until holes get open, uh, you know, cutback lanes get open, whatever, you know, the play calls for. But you don't want to see him hesitate so much that it ends up ruining the run. And I think coaches were getting on him about that as well. So I expect him to make improvements as far as an overall runner goes. Pass catching is, is something you either you have or you don't. And I think he can do it. But um, I, I just expect to see a lot from him this season as an overall running back. Absolutely. I'm excited to see how he grows this year. Next, we move on to a rookie that a lot of people have been excited about, even though he is a seventh-round draft pick. Uh, you can't not look at his tape and not get excited. The guy's explosive little guy, and that's Kalfani Muhammad. He, uh, 5'8", 175 pounds, obviously a, a small guy, but comes in uh, very quick, you know, very agile, obviously, and definitely going to be a huge change of pace from the big guys that are in front of him. Yeah, I think I'm more excited out of uh, you and Glenn. I'm real anxious to see what we do with him because, like you just said, from his tape, and that's really all I've seen. I haven't seen any of his practices or or, uh, I've never seen him live play a game. You know, I didn't know who he was at Cal. But um, from what I've seen, I'm very excited to to use him in this offense because, one, he's lightning fast. He's actually – like you said, I thought he was 5'7". I saw a picture of, of him next to Derrick Henry, and uh, it, it's pretty much like me standing ne- next to Derrick Henry. It, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but the kid will knock – you know, he'll, he, he'll hit you. He's not scared for contact. He'll make contact. And, you know, on top of his, his cuts and jukes, I mean, we could do a lot with a guy like that. Right. I mean, it's a guy that – Obviously, a huge change of pace, and that picture, for everybody who has seen it, and if you haven't seen it, we'll make sure that we put it on our Facebook page of him standing next to Derrick Henry. I mean, it does, it looks like a father and son going to work together. I mean, it, he is tiny, like half the man that Derrick Henry is. The, the couple things about Kalfani Muhammad that, you, like you said, you were bigger on him than than me and Glenn, and I think I'm the most skeptical of the three of us about Muhammad. And for a couple of reasons, is he is not afraid to contact. You can see it in his tapes, you know. But you're making a big jump when you go against linebackers and defensive linemen at the college level, at the pro level. They're bigger and they're faster. So that worries me about a health standpoint. He only had 17 receptions in each of his last two seasons at Cal, a team that likes to throw the ball and normally gets the running backs involved in the passing game. So that kind of worries me. Not much of a pass catcher, which a small guy of his you know, stature is a guy you want to get in the open field. The easy way, easiest way to do that is to get him in the flat, You know, get him on screen, stuff like that. Two more things. The rushing and receiving touchdowns went down as he got more carries in college. Not sure what that is, if it was something in their scheme, or maybe they are just scoring less as you know, he progressed through college. But you know, they, they go down significantly. Also, never returned a punt in college, and maybe it, uh, you know, I thought it was just stats, but I couldn't find any stat about him returning punts in college uh, as I was doing research. Found a bunch of stuff about his kickoff returns, but it doesn't seem like he ever returned a punt at, at a collegiate level. It, obviously, it's a guy you want to bring in with a Dory Jackson to revitalize this return game that hasn't been good in a, in a very long time, as you know, um, you know, Matt. So, things that I kind of worry about with him is health. You know, can he catch the ball? Has no experience in punt coverage, at least at the collegiate level. 
Those are some things that worry about Muhammad. Yeah, and they're justifiable. I, I don't necessarily worry as much about his size uh, for durability issues, but I do know, you know, I don't know if there was a reason. I'm not the biggest uh, Pac-12 Cal. You know, I didn't see many Cal games, but I don't know if there was a guy ahead of him, not necessarily that went went and got drafted, but, a, you know, a feature back that was ahead of him. His size is obviously the one thing that, that's huge that goes against him. But, you know, if, if you're able to make a name for yourself and get drafted at all, you know, that that's, speaks volumes, whether you're 5'7 or Derrick Henry 6'3, whatever the, you know, whatever the case. All I know is what I've seen on film, and I just know that between him, between DeMarco, Derrick Henry, and uh, Muhammad, I think that Muhammad is going to be like that one special guy that we're not going to see a lot of, but when we do have him on the field, defenses, you know, if we tire them out with the two horses and we put him on the field just to blaze by and, and even, you know, initiate contact if needed, I think he's going to be a big part that, that we can use and, and a huge advantage for us. To end out our talks on uh, Kalfani Muhammad, I want to ask you this, Matt. How many touches do you think he gets on offense, uh, assuming that Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray are healthy all year long? Uh, tough to say. On a, I don't expect to see him on the field every game, if that makes any sense. You know, you could see him three or four times one game, not see him the next week. So for a season – I don't know, between 15 to 20 all year probably. But aside from special teams, of course. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was thinking about 10 to 20. is So about the same area that you were. And I 100% agree. I think there are going to be games where you don't see him at all. And then there might be a game where you see him run maybe up to five times, something like that. I 100% agree with that assessment. I, I think it's a guy that they're going to bring in in special situations. And, you know, if he really does take off, obviously you're going to see – more of them, just kind of a wrinkle. I think they're going to make some plays specifically for him that you can throw in. So, you know, when we play that Monday night game against the Steelers, when we go on the road and play some of these tougher teams later in the year, I expect you're going to see him, you know, come out every now and again. Just give something to the defense that they've never seen before. So on when we play the tougher opponents in our schedule – this is something I'd look out for is, you know, Muhammad coming out there and getting a screen his way or, you know, a gadget run. Something, you know, to get him in open space. Just something that they haven't gotten to see on tape yet. That's what he adds to the team on the offensive side of the ball, in my opinion. Yeah, if his debut could come in an overtime game <laughs> and just like first play of, of overtime, he just lights them, you know, that would be ridiculous, but. It's something I think we could we could do if we keep him not necessarily a secret, but if we wear down a defense and then throw him out there. I really think he could he could be successful. Absolutely. Moving on here, two more guys to cover real quick. David Fluellen uh, had great stats at Toledo in college. You know, since then he was drafted by the Eagles, and then he spent a little bit of time with the Colts, and then since 2015 he's been bouncing on and off of our practice squad. He signed a futures contract to come in this year, but if we want to sign him to a contract through the season, this is his fourth year, so he'll be at the four-year veteran minimum for a contract. So without a very impressive offseason, I think he's going to be looking to find uh, money a different way than playing football. Yeah, he's another um, – he, he reminds me a lot of Antonio Andrews, and I don't think that he's nearly as good as Antonio Andrews. Just same same type runner. I don't see him making the team. There's there's a chance he could take that third spot from Muhammad or if we keep four running backs, but I don't see us doing that. But I've been proven wrong before. Who knows? Yeah, I don't I don't think uh, this is a guy that ends up making a team. And a, a big reason why I think is the next guy up, and that's Akeem Judd that we got as a UDFA from Old Miss. Just interesting is they have a similar style of running, and both of them have like the exact same measurables. They're both 5'11". They're both 224 pounds, the exact same size, very similar running style. 
and Judd's going to be significantly cheaper than Flewellen because obviously Judd's going to be on the rookie contract minimum or close to it. Flewellen's going to be on the four-year veteran minimum if you sign him for this season. So if you're looking to keep a practice squad guy around, if you want Muhammad on your roster, then Judd's going to be the guy unless Flewellen is just fantastic and Judd's awful. But for Akeem Judd, he got better every year he played while at Ole Miss. I know he only played two years, but his stats get better and better. And even in his last season there, you can see his stats get better as the season wears on. He had four 100-yard games in his senior year, and three of them came in the last four games of the season. So as the season wore on, he got better and better. But, you know, still a guy that doesn't look like a feature back. He doesn't run like a feature back. I think this is a guy that's, you know, a lot like a David Fuluan. I think that he'll make the, maybe the practice squad this year if we decide to keep Muhammad um, on the 53-man roster, and that's crucial. If we decide that Muhammad's going to be a guy that we, you know, bring up and put down, then I don't think Judd has a chance of making the team this year. But if we decide that Muhammad's going to be a day one 53-man roster guy, then Judd stays. And unless he proves something, I think he's going to be just like David Flewellen. In a couple of years, when he's staring down that um, four-year veteran minimum, we're going to see him end up not making a team, whether it be ours or wherever he's at. Yeah, nothing to add. I I knew nothing about the guy before getting on with you tonight, so you basically just told me everything that I know about him. (laughs) All right, Matt, let's move on and real quick touch on these fullbacks before we get out of here. Obviously, Jalston Fowler... Uh, the first one to come to mind. Guy that we got out of Alabama. Haven't used him a whole lot, though. He had one rush and one reception off of two targets last year. And I looked up his snaps. He played less than 18% of the offensive snaps on offense and just under 19% of the special team snaps. Now, just for a reference, that means he played less snaps on offense than Harry Douglas did. Then Andre Johnson did, who retired halfway through the year. Uh, then Brian Schwenke did, and that Philip Supernall did, just to name a few guys that played more on the offense than Jalston Fowler. And it's not because of skills. Obviously, Fowler is a fantastic fullback, but the Tennessee Titans, just like the rest of the league, are really moving away from the position. Most teams don't even carry a fullback anymore as a roster spot. We still do. We just don't see a whole lot of Fowler. Um, one thing, though, I, was, I would like to see more of. And I know we have a crowded backfield, but putting him in there in an I formation, getting those big backs behind him, you know, he's a great blocker. And also, you bring up that I formation again, play action. You send Fowler out on short patterns. He's a very good pass catcher. And he's quicker than he looks, and obviously he can pound people into the dirt you know, to get some extra yardage. I'd like to see him work more within the offense. I think that you have a weapon here that we're kind of underutilizing. Uh, that's just my opinion. What do you think, Matt? You're right, but, I mean, it all goes back to the point where, you know, he's not a John Robinson guy. He's a Rustin Webster guy. He was drafted way earlier than I think any of us would have liked. Um you know, we've touched on it in the past. It was, it was really a Sylvester Croom pick, a guy who loved Jelson Fowler. Um, but he just doesn't fit with what we're doing. I mean, we're keeping him on the roster. He's known for his receiving skills. He's an, I don't think he's anything great as a blocker. He, he's a he's an average blocker. You know, most fullbacks are. That's, that's basically what they're there to do. Um, but he's known for his receiving skills. He's got some decent speed for a fullback. He's, he's versatile when it comes to, to receptions, but you know, we don't really use him for that. So the fact that we took him where we did, the fans expect him to be used and he's not, he's just not being used. If it means, you know, we've basically given up draft picks before, so to speak, when you look at, you know, DGB and you look at Whoever it may be, we've we lost out on Pac-Man Jones. We lost out on Jake Locker. Um, we just basically need to cut you know cut our losses with him. I think you know if if he's valuable to our team moving forward, then fine. But he's never going to be what we drafted him for. And I don't know if the team's already accepted that. Um, I don't think most of the fans have yet. I'm surprised he's still on the roster, uh, but. You know, nothing against him personally. It's just the situation that we got him in, and the expectations were way too high. And 
you know, we, we, it's not that he hasn't been able to perform. It's just that we don't have those opportunities for him. Right. I agree with that. You know, he's a guy that when he has been on the field, he's, you know, he's done his work. He's a good, he's been a good blocker. He's been, you know, when he gets his hands on the ball, he's been decent, but we don't, we don't have those opportunities for him. One thing that I thought maybe if you're going to keep him on the roster and utilize him, before this season, I would have said, you know, try to get him, work him in to be that second tight end when you're trying to just, you know, do a tight end set, two tight end set just to smash the ball forward. Uh, but now you have a guy like Johnu Smith who's coming in that, you know, he might not be as effective as a blocker, but he's a much more um, prolific pass catcher. So, you know, it obviously outweighs, so you're going to bring him in when you want to. Now it's becoming, you know, how often are we going to use a fullback? We like to run a lot of the single back set. You're still going to have, like, new guys like Corey Davis, Taiwan Taylor coming in. How often are you going to use fullback sets? You know, we're one of the few teams that keep fullbacks on the roster. And we do use, you know, we, uh, Fowler occasionally, like I said, 18% of offensive snaps or just under 18% of offensive snaps. Um, you know, but we're one of the few teams that still have one. You know, it's only a few teams across the NFL. So even if he goes to market, I think there's a market for Fowler because of his, you know, how good he was in college and when he's on the field, he's good. But it's it's still slim pickings just because there's there's only a few spots you can go. So you really have to be an elite fullback even to play in the NFL, you know, let alone, or sorry, just to play in the, in the NFL, you have to be elite at that position. And that brings us to our next guy here, Joe Bakke out of Central Michigan, 6'2", 240 pounds. You know, this is a guy that is probably looking as a camp body. I can't imagine why we would keep a practice squad guy around when we could just, you know, if something happened to Fowler, we could sign somebody. His receiving stats went down as his college career progressed. Only had one rushing attempt in all of college. He's known as a good blocker. He's a good blocker. You look, watch his tape, and I watched some tape on this guy today. He is a good blocker. He opens up holes. He knows how to block. He has really good field vision to know where he should block and picks up blocks that he's not assigned. But he has no talent as an offensive weapon outside of that. He's not a, known to be a pass catcher. He's you know he doesn't have good hands. He, as I said, you know, his only rush attempt in college went for zero yards. So he's not a good with the ball in his hands. So you're you're comparing that to a Jalston Fowler, who's probably just as good as a blocker as you are. But you know, he's good out of the backfield. You can use him in more dynamic ways. And I doubt we use one of our practice squad spots, you know, for a fullback. So I think it's going to be a short trip in Nashville for Joe Becky. Yeah, he's trying out for different teams. He just happens to be in Nashville right now. There's no way. I don't think any – I don't know that I've seen any, and I could be wrong, but off the top of my head, I don't know any teams that ever keep a fullback on their practice squad. It's just not needed. I mean, you can find guys that are willing to sign off the street and, and not even ask that much. All, all, they're, all they're basically asked to do is block. There's not a lot of fullbacks that catch passes. There's not many Mike Allstott anymore. And, you know, if Jalston Fowler makes our roster, I look at that as a stretch. But I think this is his last year of his contract. I don't see any way we, we re-sign him after this. And maybe why that's why they bring Bakke. Maybe they just know it's a position that they want to keep someone in. And maybe they think this guy can put pressure and, you know, will be cheaper. Who knows? I, I think personally, I think that that for this guy out of Central Michigan to stay on the team, he's going to have to be really good on special teams. I think he's going to have to be a guy that's, you know, getting down the field, making some plays on kickoffs, you know, laying out some good blocks, and letting guys like Adore Jackson, Kofani Muhammad to get downfield on kickoffs and punts. Outside of that, I don't think that you're going to see him stay on this team. You know, but that's it. That's all we have for running backs and fullbacks. Next week, we're obviously going to be bringing you the next another position breakdowns, which is wide receivers, which is going to be exciting now with, you know, two new wide receivers out there to talk about, as well as what does this mean for the older guys like Harry Douglas and such. So that's what we have for you next week. 
remember to go ahead and grab one of those t-shirts. You can find them, obviously, on our Facebook page, our Twitter, and our website at twotonepodcast.podbean.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Matt, for being here. That's all we have this week. As always, tighten up. Podbean. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.